Let's get ready for work. It's been said that if stopping the economy for coronavirus was like an amputation, that the recovery of our economy will be more like a brain surgery. Episode 21 of Ready for Work marks the start of our second season of the podcast, and most importantly, a series of episodes on the healing of our nation and its economic recovery. Resilient workforce ecosystems are retooling in order to lead recovery efforts in their regions. Today's episode covers the roles and functions of the workforce ecosystem in disaster response and recovery. We'll highlight resources to help you plan and evaluate recovery efforts and hear from several contributors with ideas and tips for re-employment strategies, solutions, promising practices, and tools for upskilling and reskilling. Thanks for joining us on Episode 21, Resilient Workforce Ecosystems Leading Skills-Based Economic Recovery. Powered by ACT. Ready for Work brings you the best and brightest in workforce development and career education with trends, innovations, and action steps you can take to help your region's workforce reach its highest potential. Here is your host, Jason Jones. Now, let's get ready for work. Our mission at ACT is just as important now as we recover together, helping individuals achieve education and workplace success. Local work-ready communities make this mission happen where people need it most. Here's Fred McConnell, ACT's Director of Workforce Solutions. We know that our close to 500 work-ready communities are really the trailblazers for our local and regional levels when it comes to workforce and having a team that can really work together to address the needs of the community. And they have the opportunity to install hope from their leadership and, of course, the collaboration on how to move forward in recovering resilience. There are a couple of caveats to keep in mind. While this episode is intended to save time and point you in the right direction to launch your recovery, you might encounter issues that require expert support or licensed guidance. The situation changes daily, so be prepared to reframe and adapt as needed. Skills-based hiring works in the good times and the not-so-good times. Workforce ecosystems are often the go-to partners in disaster recovery, providing labor and training resources to address hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fires, basically any event that causes a mass dislocation of local jobs. 2020 gave us a unique disaster that requires a different approach. To simplify this approach, we titled this five-part framework ALEDA, A-L-E-D-A, which stands for Adapt, Lead, Engage, Deploy, and Analyze. The first phase, ADAPT, helps us reimagine traditional disaster recovery models to meet the needs of widespread biological disasters. We must adapt our local data to be current and actionable in order to address each issue organically. Disaster recovery often requires unbundling of your current services to create the flexibility needed to convert options for remote access and other safety protocols. We can build upon volumes of experience and best practices for disaster recovery and workforce development. 2020 marks the first time that the Federal Emergency Management Agency issued a disaster declaration based on a medical emergency, and the first time that FEMA is managing disaster declarations in every single state at the same time. Biological disasters create a different set of demands as we plan and execute the response and recovery. The ADAPT phase requires a different approach to gathering the information needed to align disaster resources with strategies and solutions. We'll be covering other data elements later in the Analyze section of the framework, but you will have unique data collection needs up front for your communities served. Putting on the lens of the workforce ecosystem, your information systems need to be built on primary data you collect locally from employers, participants, and other channels. 
Mary LaFay, a principal research scientist at ACT, shares with us the importance of local primary data. The best local economic data for the next few months is going to be the information that you gather via regular communication with your local economic developers and business partners. Locally collected data is going to provide you the best actionable information right now for planning and risk management for all communities, but especially for rural communities. Economic developers have a mission-critical function of business retention and expansion, which motivates developers to gain as much local intel as possible. Business retention practitioners use data collection, often through surveys or interviews, to prioritize follow-up services and design larger-scale efforts to address a need common to multiple employers. As necessity drives invention, business retention experts formulated the BRE COVID Response Network. Coordinated by BRE expert Eric Canada, the network provides local tools to economic developers and a framework for local insights to be assembled later on in a report that addresses common needs across states and the U.S. Check out the BRE Response Network link, as well as the link for the Recovery and Resiliency Roadmap. Both tools offer tips on how to collect data locally and which data points are most helpful. Backed with a local foundation of data that addresses the unique disaster you're adapting to, the next phase is LEAD. A workforce ecosystem is a public-private partnership, and every partner has a role. It's the local role that really makes the difference and changes lives. The state and federal roles are important to define overall policy and support those policies through funding to local agencies and providers that actually execute those strategies and deliver the services to those in need. The work-ready communities of Northeast Tennessee have some great examples of the integrated leadership of the workforce ecosystem. There are similarities in the way this partnership battles the opioid crisis that will be useful in the economic crisis ahead. Their leadership navigated the battle with strong data, intentional communications, and a sharp focus on trauma-informed care. Mark Stevens and Lottie Ryans from the 1st Tennessee Development District shared this experience with us at a recent ACT Workforce Summit. Leaders lead. Lottie did not leave retirement from a career in communications, and I did not go to D.C. and move back to Northeast Tennessee to sit on the sidelines as everything that we love and hold dear about our region fall apart. You have to step into that role. Our organization was not designed to do that, but it has led in this role. You are all leaders in your organizations and your communities. And if this is an issue that's affecting you, you have to lead in that role too. Whether it falls within your your sphere of influence or not, leaders do lead. And that's part of that. Civic groups as partners, again, we made presentations and so that people in the community could understand it and reframe their thinking and see how they could step into being part of the solution. There's no one answer and no silver bullet. That would be amazing if there was. As we've hopefully shared, it does take a village. So we have our chambers involved. We have our economic development groups involved, our hospital system, our school system, our government. So everybody is trying to figure out what role they play. But that leads to the next thing. Timing is important. So we have communities that are not ready to hear this. Their leadership might be ready to have this conversation and is, but maybe the community itself isn't ready. And that's fine. And we get that. Good example. I mentioned the county by county faith-based events. We have some counties that they said they're just not ready. We've had pastors who they have been impacted in their family. And so they recognize the role that the faith-based community plays. And again, not to mitigate the fact that prayer is an important component, but there's some that they don't want to hear any of the rest of the story yet. And that's fine. They will get there. And we're not about to push any issue. It'll happen when it happens. And Lottie touched on this and she's really the media darling of this. 
you've got to get local media on board and they have got to have an honest and frank conversation about what's happening. And they've done that in Northeast Tennessee and we've always appreciated that. And the media has been there to help promote the positive and the things that are going on as well. I think one of the things as you enter into this work, there's going to be failures. There are going to be people who disappoint you because you thought you were doing the right thing with them. And there are going to be people who disappoint themselves because they thought they could make it, but just recognize, give them another chance. We have seen great opportunities through these programs that are now available in the region. Hear more from Mark and Lottie in episode 13 of the Ready for Work podcast. Engage is the third phase, essential to how you reach participants for immediate referrals and intake for follow-up in the major projects your recovery effort will eventually launch. Along with outreach to students and adults, you need a playbook on how to develop work sites and engage employers for the long haul. The engage phase needs to define how to remove barriers for participants that would prevent their success, such as transportation, childcare, and other personal needs. The way you engage participants depends largely on the local disaster scenario and what you've adapted to meet those windows of connecting with participants. The ALIDA model we've adapted from the Joplin, Missouri Disaster Recovery Jobs Program has three phases. The pre-launch phase can start as soon as it's safe to do so and doesn't interfere with rescue functions. The best place to start is getting out information and handling referrals on demand. If it's feasible, capture some basic contact information you'll need later for follow-up. What services you do provide can start out online or at locations where it's safely integrated with medical protocol. The Washington County Economic Alliance of Greenville, Mississippi launched a virtual soft skills training initiative. Joining us now is Will Coppage, Executive Director of the Washington County Economic Alliance, with more on the project and other ways they engage workers locally. Jason, thank you so much for putting this together. Companies are still hiring. This is not slowing production down, at least in my neck of the woods. Our two biggest clusters are agribusiness and healthcare. So both of those are essential. And so with that, they need workers. How can we continue that pipeline? And we so far come up with three things. We reached out to our web provider and we got the ability to create intake type forms on our website, which have been huge. So we have a tab on our website that just say jobs. It makes it so easy to tell people where to go. One of those is a resume bank. We just asked for community members to send us your resume to create a bank. It's not saying you're going to get a job, but it's saying that we have it. Give you an example, Denny, who has done profiles for a lot of our businesses here, did some for New Farm. New Farm was still hiring. They said they needed some folks. I went through my resume bank, found some with the skills they needed. I was able to send it to them. They did some interviews the other day. So that we know was beneficial in working. We created a tab for a job training intake form. As soon as people can get back on campus and get training, whether it's in manufacturing or HVAC or or carpentry or welding or what have you, we want them to be ready. So we're trying to get people to sign up so we can continue to email them and kind of prepare and keep them interested. And then the last thing, we purchased credits from Conover that does soft skills training. You know, you're on the couch, take it, why not? That way we'll send them, we can't give it to them in person, we'll send them a certificate that says they passed it and it'll be something that they can give the employers in the area when they get back on their feet and are applying for jobs in person or mailing in, sending in their resume. It's just another way to keep them active and involved in that mindset. There are a lot of jobs out there you know, you yourself as a job applicant must have the skills. And so we just are trying to remind them training is there. And so that's what we're trying to do here. 
Once public systems are stable enough to permit in-person engagement, there are some limited functions that the provider could group together to reduce the risk of infection or injury. The follow-up intake phase could finish up the intakes and enrollments, deliver any needed assessments, connect with case managers or job counselors to remove barriers, and deliver basic worksite orientations all in a single location. The assessments, training, and certification you're implementing is pointing toward the third phase of engagement, the program launch. This launch phase triggers when the participant is placed in a recovery project worksite, an apprenticeship or other work-based learning, or training and certification activities to accelerate a career pathway. Your program needs to address and balance the risks and burdens to participants across all three engagement phases, pre-launch, intake, and launch. When you consider the value and role of work keys and other assessments that your location normally offers, where you place those assessments in the service flow should be based on the goal of the assessment. For employers that have an immediate need of a candidate, it makes sense to prioritize the assessment up front. Some locations offer work keys and other services on an appointment-only basis that integrates social distancing protocol. Denny Smith is a certified WorkKeys job profiler and director of assessment at Calhoun Community College in Alabama. He shows us the way to overcome proctoring distances by partnering with a local employer for an on-demand approach to WorkKeys. Some of our businesses are having to continue on with the crisis that's going on. And so what we're doing is reaching out to the human resource directors, walk them through the National Career Readiness Certificate through our realm. What we're providing is technical support, so when they have an applicant that needs to take the work keys, we actually will walk them through the testing process from their plant site, so they can actually continue the operations of using the work keys, and we're actually going to screenshot the steps. That's what we're going to try to do. It's not really remote proctoring, so to speak, but as long as the HR manager or the appropriate plant personnel is in there with the applicant, then they can continue to take the work keys because we know it's high stakes. And they will actually continue going through our realm through the college, but it will actually be on site at the plant to continue the operations. Now that we've covered the three phases of participant engagement, let's shift gears to work sites and employers. Ideally, employer engagement is happening as quickly as possible with the business retention partnership. There are a number of worksite development functions that can happen behind the scenes. The funding in your partnership and the potential funding for disaster grants may be prioritizing what humanitarian or work sites need to launch first and capture those first round of participant candidates. Good examples of these work sites fill gaps in public and social services needed for recovery. Turnkey projects are ideal, especially with public community and other nonprofit organizations. Rural areas should look for gaps in services from libraries, schools, community centers, and local governments. Your work sites might include short-term employment, internships, apprenticeships, and other work-based learning solutions. Thinking long-term, these placements are hopefully resulting in permanent employment. We're working toward employers rebounding and rehiring individuals. Having employer needs identified and integrated into temporary work-based learning will improve the odds of those workers returning successfully. Dennis Williamson is the Director of Workforce Development for the Western Arkansas Planning and Development District at Fort Smith. Dennis has a background in preparing and launching disaster grants, and he walks us through the process they use in Western Arkansas. One of the things- 
things that Jason had asked me about specifically was the National Emergency Dislocated Worker Grant funding that's out there. And there's a lot of money that's around folks typically long-term unemployed, but in this case, you know, we're seeing something unprecedented. A lot of it for my area starts with just fully understanding what the specifics are of the grant so that I can reach out to the community leaders and reach out to companies that may be able to take advantage of the potential funding and be able to connect the pain points that they have with the potential use of these grants. In particular, the NEG grants are again focused on temporary employment, which I know Jason, you had talked about earlier. And in coming out of this crisis we're looking at now, figuring out how we can assist our communities, how to get them involved and invested in these grants is a big part of what we go through once we determine what their needs going to be and how it relates to the specific grant, there's not a better time than now to start talking to those elected officials and these companies to help them look at projects that they had intended or projects that are critical to rebuilding these communities and the economic viability afterwards and to start creating a bank of how this grant can be focused and then working with them to come up with a recruitment plan. That's another thing that's been talked about quite a bit here. Many of the points that I have aren't quite relevant yet because it is a changing environment. With that in mind, you know, if we've got a company that's looking at retooling, is looking at how these grants could be used in the short term to bring people back to work and getting them reinvested in their community, the ultimate goal of these grants is to help individuals that have been out of the job market or that need a new focus to gain skills that are relevant to the changes to industries or to the local areas that will be relevant when we come out of the backside of this and to help them to change the skill sets they have to be relevant, to provide resources to those local communities in the public and private collaborations, and ultimately it's to make them marketable on the backside of this. At the end of it, it's about creating a benefit for the individuals that participate, for the communities that have the need in the crisis, and the local economies from the paychecks that will be generated out of that. So it really, for me and for us, just comes down to that communications piece and keeping those lines open with the companies and demands that are coming and with the local officials that, that are willing to take advantage of this in this time. So far, we covered the phases of analyze, lead, and engage. That brings us to the deploy phase of the Alita framework. ACT suite of workforce solutions have considerable flexibility in the sequence and flow of services in local workforce centers and schools. This makes adjusting the flow easier for responding to mass layoffs and disasters. It's only the work keys tests themselves that have a requirement for live in-person proctoring to protect the integrity of the assessment and the validity of the results. It helps to think of disaster response as an unbundling of what you normally provide in order to tweak the balance of physical and connected access. Let's take a closer look at how these remote solutions might be grouped together. As you recall, back on our three engagement phases, the pre-launch phase needs a way to reach customers, grab some intake info, 
and help them navigate to career resources, such as applying for unemployment or connecting to relief efforts. Your pre-launch phase might even include online training and earning a micro-credential. The WorkKeys curriculum is a good fit during this phase. ACT also made the WorkKeys practice tests available online at no charge during this disaster phase. The goal here is pushing out what you can for connected remote access that allows individuals to make use of the time and energy they might have in order to prepare to hit the ground running quickly later on. The second phase of participant engagement is where you can bring together more of the in-person functions, as long as the service provider has protocols in place to reduce the risk of injury or infection. As your program finishes eligibility, enrollments, physical exams, and other worksite preparations in-house, this is the better phase to administer the WorkKeys assessment following regular Proctor guidelines. As part of the participant's career pathway, it may make sense to keep them engaged with the WorkKeys curriculum as well. If it works better in your program flow, you can position the WorkKeys assessment soon after the launch phase. As long as your program has a strong integration of WorkKeys, you can align the sequence of learning and assessment with the goals of an individual employment plan. After adapt, lead, engage, and deploy, the fifth pillar is analyze. There is an element of data necessary for the success of the earlier phases we covered. In the analyze phase, we'll focus on information resources to help individuals change or re-enter careers. This phase includes the analysis of the skills needed with occupations most in demand for recovery, as well as the potential contact risk of those jobs. While traditional program performance is disrupted in a disaster, there are ways to evaluate the effectiveness of your disaster recovery efforts. Mary LaFay shares with us case studies and other research to help job seekers now. I want to emphasize that you can leverage best practices that you've learned over the years from previous mass layoff events and recessions to assist individuals impacted by COVID-19. For example, Ohio was able to assist hundreds of laid-off manufacturing workers who lacked any post-secondary education or credentialing. The state was able to provide them with skill remediation, foundational credentials, and stackable industry-recognized certificates, all of which resulted in higher credentialing pass rates and increased job placement. You can also use data from sources like ONET and APT Occupational Profile Database. Both can be used to provide guidance to the unemployed right now and help them to really explore how their skills might transfer into other career paths. Mary adapted the career readiness benchmarks from ACT WorkKeys into a special risk analysis of occupations that local leaders and employers will find useful to bring workers back on the job safely. Its purpose is to really help to identify the level of physical contact that needed to perform different jobs, but also to identify which jobs could be performed virtually. All of that's used to identify the levels of contact needed in different occupations, both in the U.S. and for each of the individual 50 states and the U.S. territories. In the dashboard, we classify occupations as high contact based on their combined level of physical proximity, face-to-face discussions, and contact with others needed to perform the job. And again, that's all coming to us from ONET data. By comparing jobs of high contact with those of no or low contact, planners can identify which jobs are the most impacted. Mary describes the benefits of this type of analysis. The data can also be used to assist employers, economic developers, and regional risk management planning teams to determine which essential jobs or even individual tasks within those jobs 
should be conducted remotely and which must be conducted on site. Check out the link for the dashboard on our show page at act.org forward slash ready for work podcast. Mary offers a helpful note on how publicly available data has been skewed by the pandemic and what alternatives you might consider. I would really emphasize the use of base employment data from 2019 as the best picture of local occupational distribution. And again, relying on the weekly UI claims data to really get a picture of the labor market impact. Workforce and education professionals should really be focusing on skill remediation and development and helping individuals explore different career path options. And regardless of their skill set or educational level, I'd like to emphasize that all individuals facing unemployment right now could use this extended benefit period and online resources to really evaluate where they are now in their careers and in their skill sets and evaluate what they need to transfer into a new career opportunity. The journey to resiliency is something that ACT will be navigating together with you and our partners at the local, state, and national levels. Be sure to follow this journey at act.org and workreadycommunities.org. Both sites have COVID-19 resource pages to get you the information you need as quickly as possible. We just finished a national webinar with hundreds of attendees. Be on the lookout in ACT's workforce newsletter for a link to the webinar archive online. You can sign up for the newsletter at act.org slash workforce. Future episodes of Ready for Work will dig deeper in the pillars of the framework and showcase voices of excellence in the workforce ecosystem for resilience and recovery. act.org forward slash workforce summit is where you can track registration and other event details coming online later this spring. ACT's 2020 Workforce Summit, October 26th through the 28th in Memphis, Tennessee at the historic Peabody Hotel. If you're new to the summit, check out our recap video and content from 2019 to get a feel for the high caliber and energy of the Workforce Summit. Thanks for listening to Ready for Work from ACT. For more information on workforce solutions, visit act.org slash workforce or workreadycommunities.org. We invite you to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Check out Ready for Work in your favorite app or visit us at act.org slash ready for work podcast. Ready for Work is a service from your friends at ACT, a mission-driven nonprofit dedicated to helping people achieve education and workplace success. Now, let's get to work.